This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Clarksdorp. Uh, we're going to take the hell out of Clarksdorp. And then it's going to be Kerksdorp. Is that cool? <laughs> Jesus is amazing, man. Yes, I'm so glad you had a good time last night. I love Chris. He's a good preacher, and he loves Jesus, and he wants people to love Jesus. And uh, that's so exciting to hear that uh, the love of God is the thing that's on your lips this morning. Isn't that amazing? You know, we, we do. We sometimes um, celebrate different churches and different places for different things, you know, and uh, you might be, wow, those guys have got a nice building, or those guys have got a nice worship team, or those guys have got a, a really organized process for their discipleship, or whatever the case may be. And um, uh, there's, there's some other things that we should celebrate churches for, and it's the love, the love of God, and the love of, of, of His people in them. And I want to say thank you to you. You guys are, are really loving people, uh, honestly. Um, thank you so much. Honestly, Gareth, you must love me to have me here, for one. And uh, Baptist has been incredible, just on, like setting us up, the hospitality is insane. I want to say thank you, Baptist. I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think I, think I woke up last night like really thirsty because of all the biltong I've been chowing. <laughs> but anyway, I want to talk about um, discipleship and, and learning some, tick, uh, some, I don't want to say tips, how do you take tips from Jesus, you know, some clues or some commands or even just get as weighty as we can. The, the, the expression of who Jesus is and everything that Jesus does is the, all, all that we need to be able to make disciples because he showed us how to make disciples and he spent his intentional years, his three and a half years of walking in the ministry and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do exactly that, to draw people to himself and to make disciples. And then when he leaves, he says, this is what I want you to do. And so uh, we don't just want to be followers of Jesus, we want to be disciples of Jesus. There's something, ex- there's something deeper about being a disciple. And a disciple in a, in a Hebrew and even in a, a New Testament sense is so much more than just a follower. Now, we want to be followers of Jesus, but let me just give you a couple of um, stats with regards to who people are following these days. Uh, you know that on Instagram, um, Instagram has got the highest following. That's so silly. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo second with 437 million followers. Then you've got Kylie Jenner, uh, Lionel Messi, so the soccer's up there, and then Selena Gomez, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ariana Grande coming in at 308 million. And then Kim Kardashian. I don't know why these Kardashians are even followed by millions of people. I don't know why, but anyway. And uh, then there's Beyonce, and then you've got Khloe Kardashian. So in the top 10, you've got three of the Kardashian family that are um, influencing people around the world. And uh, so you don't, I don't, hope you don't keep up with the Kardashians, and I don't, you don't, hope you don't start. Then on Twitter, you've got Barack Obama. So it just shows you what people are interested in. 130 million people, Barack Obama. Then there's Justin Bieber. So once you've had enough of politics, you go and sing a few songs. And then you've got uh, Katy Perry, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, and Ronaldo Summer sings a song in there. And then you've got Donald Trump and then Ellen Degenerate. I mean, Degenerous. <laughs> and on YouTube, you've got number two on YouTube, 133 million is Coca Melon. 
<laughs> I know you've been putting your kids in front of that YouTube and they've been watching Baby Shark, do, 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 Baby Shark. That's why they're so famous. And then there's um, Facebook would have you into Mr. Bean, Samsung and Coca-Cola. LinkedIn, at the top of that is Bill Gates, Richard Branson. So everybody's trying to follow someone who sings, someone who does something amazing in business, someone who does something amazing in sport, and uh, they're trying to get us hooked on Coca-Cola. Um, you know, so it's incredible, the people that follow. And then you look at the top websites in the world at the moment. Number one, you guess it, Google. Well done, did you Google that? Number two, YouTube. Three, Facebook. Four, Twitter. Five, Instagram. Six, Baidu, which is the Chinese Google. Uh, Wikipedia, Yandex, which is the Russian Google. Number nine is Yahoo. And number ten is an adult thing. And so, in this world, uh, let me just run through some of these. <laughs> the screen has become the thing that people are following. You know, uh, it says that the average screen time for teenagers has doubled during the pandemic to 7.7 .7 hours a day. I mean, that's it's incredible. I mean, the, 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 this Generation Z, they call them the Zoomers, not because Zoom has become a thing, because for them, everything Zoom, Zoom, push a button and it's at your door. They're born into the internet age where everything works, supposed to work. And uh, they don't realize that there's some people actually doing the hard work to get it to them. But uh, this generation is spending their time on screens. 50% of adults have increased their screen time on at least two devices. So I've got my iPhone, my iPad, in my, I've got my MacBook here somewhere, and even my watch is a screen. And uh, Americans' average time spent on a screen is 3 hours 54 minutes. Same in the UK, around 3.5 hours. People spend around 5 hours a day in front of a laptop. About 145 minutes a day, that's what, over two hours on social, social networking. And um, the country with the highest screen time consumption in the world is the Philippines. There's nothing else to do. And everybody's got two cell phones there. So, in this age, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus includes the screen time that we're in as the time when we have to make disciples. And yet he doesn't show us how to make disciples on the screen. <laughs> but he shows us how to make disciples the way he's always made disciples, and that's to get away from the screen. And so while we use our screens, we can redeem the screens, and we need to try and catch them there as a, and use these things as a net. But it's got to bring them back to the place where we do what Jesus did to make disciples, because you can't touch somebody through a screen. And you might be able to see the powerful impact of spiritual gifts operating through these social media. But there's something happens when it comes to making disciples that can only be done in a room, face-to-face, hand-in-hand, and where those contacts are made that the love of God flows. And the world in this last season has been desperate, desperate for that contact again. You know, somebody was, who said it? Um, it was Chris yesterday in the morning. Uh, 
your suicide rates are astronomical in the, in the pensioners' age group because of the loneliness they've experienced. I tell you what, on the same time, I heard Trevor Hartley tell me about the most effective CEOs and business people in the world today are those in their 60s to 70s. So you've got that age group lonely and taking their lives, and that age group effective and operating in the most efficient times of their businesses. Because they've learned and had experiences, and they've learned to delegate, and they've learned to use their energy efficiently, and to plow it into the things that are important. But if they haven't got that, they're taking their lives. And we have to make disciples of those that are over 60. We have to make disciples of those that are six and, and young. I mean, every single age. And so there's a wonderful, wonderful work for every single one of us. But let's get back to how we do it. And Jesus wants to show us how to do it. So we're going to go through um, John together. John chapter... I'm skipping all my other notes. If you were in pot, you would have heard those. John chapter 1. And we're going to look at what Jesus does and what the nature is of discipleship and how he, he... brings people to the point of following him in an incredible way. And that's what we want. Can I pray for us? Effectively pray for me. Lord Jesus, in this world, with these troubles, and the things that you know we would face, you said, fear not, I've overcome the world. And so, Lord, we want to thank you that the way that you've given us is through this incredible command with all authority to make disciples. So that's what we've got to do. And we want to ask you to help us and show us. So even as we look through the Scriptures, and as I simply read through the Scriptures and highlight uh, aspects of discipleship, that it would, you would do something of a seed, planting, watering, exploding work among us to see more and more of these incredible branches of discipleship break out all over the world, and we see people rescued the way you intended. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, I want to. I, I, I watched a sermon. Let me let me confess. I watched Winsome by Ed, Stet, Ed Stetzer on the Saddleback uh, website. Who's watched that? And he, he he made this incredible point. He was talking about being winsome in a warring world. And he said in 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. JFK was assassinated. America entered war with Vietnam. You had economic depression take place. You had the Hong Kong flu kill more people than corona, break open over the whole world at the time. And guess what happened at that time? The Jesus movement. Because they were trying to bring Jesus to who? The hippies and all the O's that were getting psychedelic on LSD and peace signs and smoking themselves to who knows where. The Jesus movement broke out in that time. What have we got today? Black Lives Matter political craziness from Trump to Biden and whatever happens after that, war in, UK, in Ukraine and Russia, COVID, which has um, not affected the world as badly as the Hong Kong flu, and you've got the LGBTQ and the crazy things that are happening there with its psychedelic LSD type of whatever. It's just initials. And um, we're poised in this downturn for another Jesus movement. God has arranged it once again for this generation, to call out to him when there is social unrest, political unrest, economic unrest, uh, all kinds of unrest, wars happening, all of these things, guess what? We poise once again for another Jesus movement. 
And so let's get back to Jesus. Let's study Jesus. Let's love Jesus. Jesus is the love of God. You want to talk about the love of God? It's a person. His name is Jesus. You want the power of God? It's a person. He's Jesus. You want the wisdom of God? It's a person. It's Jesus. Everything's got to get back for us as a church too. It all comes from Him. There's nothing, nothing other than Jesus as the person. Of you want blessing in your life? Blessing is a person, and His name is Jesus. You want discipleship? Discipleship is a person. His name is Jesus. Let's get back to Him at every level, because when, you, when you're drawing from Him, eating from Him, the bread of life, the river of living water, everything that He says He is, that thing feeds you, supplies you, enables you, empowers you, gives you the example, gives you the way, and the Spirit is working Him in you to do it. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty and freedom, and we are being transformed from glory to glory into His image. Not just His face, but His actions and His miracles and everything that He does. So let's have Him. John 1. The next day, this is after Jesus' baptism, John was standing with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. I love that. These are John's disciples in one pointing expression, they change followership immediately to Jesus. Then Jesus turned and noticed them following him, and he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Rabbi also means, oh, great one. And that's a word that they gave to people that they wanted to learn from, sit with, be with. Where are you staying? Isn't it incredible? Not give us your business card or what um, titles do you have and, and initials behind your name. Where are you staying? That's amazing. The key to discipleship is for people to know where you stay. Where you live. But you stay in a sense of a love of God. You, you stayed on Him. He's whose mind has stayed on Him. as perfect peace. And so there's, there's so much in that. What is, where do you stay, Jesus? Come and, and you'll see, He replied. So they went and they saw where He was staying. And they stayed with Him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So yeah, we've got... Two disciples, one of them, we don't know who the one is, but we know the one is Andrew. Andrew now goes and fetches the third, which is Simon Peter's brother. Uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one of the two who heard John and followed him. And he first found his own brother, Simon. And he told him, we have found the Messiah. <laughs> After one night of spending, an, spending one night with Jesus, you know, this is the Messiah. You can see what he says, you can see what he does. I mean, I don't know whether he, he revealed himself to them in some way, but after one night with Jesus, this is it. Which is translated the Christ, the anointed one, verse 42. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, you are Simon, son of John, he said. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So some people are following and then asking Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? In this case, as he gets there, Jesus goes for him directly. You might say, well, how is it supposed to happen? Is Jesus supposed to pull someone's heart into his kingdom, or are people supposed to grab a hold of Jesus from behind and let Jesus turn around and then bring him to the kingdom? Both, thank you very much. <laughs> so discipleship, if anything, is nothing if it doesn't point to Jesus. We're not trying to point them to a church. We're not trying to point them to a process. We're not trying to point them to an apostolic team. 
We're trying to point them to Jesus. That's the goal. If discipleship is, if anything, is nothing if it doesn't work at home. It's one thing to say we have, we have discipleship processes, discipleship programs, we discipleship in, in the church and get it all right here, but then we don't do it at home. And so effective discipleship is going to be what we're doing in our own houses with our own families, but with the families that join us in our homes. We've got to get back to discipleship breaking out in the homes. It's not reserved to just the organized 930 seats in a row, run sheet. Uh, this is where you go now from said your prayer, baptized, read the book, etc. It's got to be something more organic, more homely. Discipleship, if anything, is nothing if it does not involve brothers and sisters. The people who know you. You know, if you've really been touched by a night with Jesus, you're going to tell the closest people you know about what's happened. So that's when you know there's a genuineness that has permeated into your life and it needs to spread to those around you in an incredible way. And that's what we want for people when they come. We don't just want to pray for their salvation. You want to pray for them and everything that God's going to do through them in their families, in their communities, in every connection that they have. You want that to spread there in a mighty way. The kingdom is like yeast and like it spreads through the batch. Discipleship, if anything, is nothing if it doesn't produce fresh identity. Peter's name has changed in an instant. He knows he was one thing coming there, and this Jesus has just told him he has a new name. And so there's fresh identity that comes. Now there's some more guys added to the mix. In uh, verse 43, it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus finds Philip. And he told him, follow me. I mean, that's incredible. We all want that kind of... <laughs> Jesus told me. I mean, just imagine Philip. Oh, guys. Jesus called me out by name and told me to follow him. <laughs> the reality is, when you pursue him or he pursues you, either way, at the end of the day, he wants to make a disciple out of you. And so he says, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the town of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. So, I mean, them understanding all of the Old Testament, they just realized from Genesis to Malachi that this is the one that, it, that it's speaking about. All of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. I mean, you've got Abraham and the man of faith is pointing to the ultimate man of faith, which is Jesus. You've got the judges pointing to the ultimate judge, which is Jesus. All the kings are pointing to the ultimate king, who is Jesus. You might think David was good, but he wasn't. He's pointing to the one who is good. Because there's no, there's no faith man, there's no judge, there's no king, there's no prophet other than Jesus the prophet, and they're all pointing to him. There's anything to do with the priests and the temple and the sacrifices and all of those things from Genesis to Malachi is pointing to Jesus. It's all fulfilled in Jesus. And now when we have him and you realize that it's him, he teaches you then how to live. And when we've got the Gospels and we've got the book of Acts, we can study what did Jesus do? How did he move? Where did he go? What did he say? What was he thinking? And all these kind of things the Spirit can reveal to us. Because from Acts and, and Romans, effectively, throughout the rest of the New Testament, up until Revelation, is trying to teach us to be the people of God who love one another, who love him, and are this church that Revelations ends with 
all nations being touched by this incredible Jesus and his church and standing before his throne worshiping him. It all points to him. It's got to be about him. And so we found the one, the law and the prophet spoke of Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Peter called you, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus answered. <laughs> I mean, now there, there is a thing of, even if you think you were going to pursue Jesus, he was pursuing you beforehand. Because he wants all sons and daughters restored to him. And he's, uh, Jesus answers and he says, Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you'll see greater things than this. So now Jesus is prophesying to him. And then he said, and truly I tell you, Jesus is telling Nathaniel, I tell you, Nathaniel, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wow. I mean, he's, he's doing something very specific here. Jesus is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given us these gifts for what? To make disciples. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is to make disciples. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating, it's not just for the common good. What's good for the common good? Disciples being made, because that's the command of Jesus for the church. Make disciples. So he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us make disciples. And when we're making disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's an incredible thing, because that's when Jesus starts to work through us. Disciples are made when they're healed. We need the gift of healing. Disciples are made when there's incredible faith. We need the gift of faith. Disciples are spoken to, helped, encouraged with words when there's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Disciples are made when someone's discerning their life like Jesus did from a distance, and he says, yes, a man without deceit, by the gift of discernment, he's already pointing out what's going on in Nathaniel's life. And then he, says, he starts to prophesy, he has a word of knowledge, I saw you under the fig tree. And then he has an incredible prophetic word for him. He says, basically, you're going to see me in the kingdom. In heaven, all the way through to the end. I'm prophesying over you, your full salvation, because you'll see the angels ascending and descending on me. What an incredible thing. And so just by the Spirit of God unfolding these gifts, what does Nathaniel say? He doesn't say, oh, what an amazing gift. He says, behold, this is the Son of God. This is the King of Israel. And he's fallen in love with Jesus as a result of the gifts. Don't use the gifts so that people fall in love with the gift. Don't use the gifts so that the people fall in love with the, of the person using the gift. Use the gifts so that people fall in love with Jesus Christ. It's all about him. That goes the same for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Jesus is the apostle. And when apostles want to put titles and all these kind of things and say, serve me, I'm an apostle, don't touch me, I'm the Holy One of God. It's like, actually, no, you're not the gift. Jesus put a gift through you for us. We're not here for you. The gift is there for us. So make us disciples if that's what your gift is. And so the apostle, the, the apostle is really Jesus, the apostle, highlighted. 
The evangelist, who saves other than Jesus? He's the Savior. He's the ultimate Savior. So an evangelist who points to his own clever evangelistic techniques is nothing. But the evangelist who points to Jesus, the evangelist, that's way better. Jesus the prophet. You know how many times the Bible speaks about Jesus being a prophet? The people spoke about Jesus being a prophet. When he raised the dead, they said, surely a prophet is among us. So a true prophet is going to bring life to dead things. Uh, when somebody was forgiven of sin, the, the woman who was um, at his feet, washing his feet, and, and Simon, the Pharisee, thinks in his mind, if Jesus knew who this sinful woman was, he wouldn't let her do that. And then Jesus says to him, because he heard his thoughts, he says, you didn't wash my feet when I came in the doors, but she's washed mine. You know what? Her sins are forgiven, and she loves me. And then he said, somebody else in the room says, this is a prophet. True, the, the true prophetic ministry results in people understanding that they are forgiven of their sins. Not a prophet saying, ah, point out your sin. You're forgiven of your sins. A true prophet. When Jesus fed the 5,000, 5,000 people fed. What did the people say? A prophet is among us. The true prophetic ministry results in people being satisfied and walking away. With. So it all points to Jesus. When Jesus comes into um, Jerusalem, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, here comes the Son of God. Here comes, uh, Hosanna is the one who comes in the name of David. Comes into the city and the people are worshiping. And they're saying, a true prophet is among us. What does a true prophetic ministry do? It results in people praising and worshiping Jesus. And so... It all points to him. All the gifts and everything are drawn from him, are about him, are really him at work in and through us. And so discipleship is powerful when the word and the law and the prophets is revealing Jesus. Discipleship is powerful when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are present. Just like this, the same way Jesus used him, may we do the same. You see, everything he's given us to make disciples. How much time do I have in this session? How much? Oh no, when does it end? In, in 40 minutes. From now. About 15 minutes from now. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, um, it continues, chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. So these disciples, he's got six now. Remember, there was the one we didn't know who it was. There's Andrew, there's Simon, there's Philip, there's Nathaniel. Did I miss one? Okay, so there's, there's six of them. Third day, a wedding took place in Cana. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. She's whining. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? It's not a, it, you didn't actually say it like that. It was more a respectful term. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? <laughs> Jesus asks, uh, my hour has not yet come. And then she's like, she just steps up. She just says, do whatever he tells you. His mother told the servants. Now six stone jars had been set there for Jewish pur purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Does anyone in the Bible say how many liters that is? It's a few liters of, of water. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. 
And the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, and he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the groom, and he told him, everyone sets out the, the fine wine first, and then after the people are drunk, the inferior. But you've kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this. The first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Wow. All of this. So that his, the disciples he was making could see his glory and believe. So discipleship takes place. I love this. It's beyond the temple. It's beyond the, the, the organized religious gathering. It's taking place on a road to his house, under a fig tree, to a wedding. I mean, these, this is the places where discipleship has effectiveness. It's not just in the place where people are, one person's talking and everyone's listening. We have to do more than that. This is why Alpha, why the gifted and purpose, um, some of these things are so effective. Because in one sense, to be made a disciple, you need someone speaking and everyone listening. Through the preaching of God's word, people come to salvation. The foolishness of preaching, sitting under the word of God preached, is essential. Make it your custom to sit under the word of God regularly. There's, there's one person, everyone, one speaking, everyone listening. But then it's got to go further to the place where all are speaking and all are listening. Because in the home and in the small group and in the family discussions, you can have people asking questions and talking about what they've heard when they couldn't speak. Now they can speak and they start to hear more. And then it's got to go to the third place where no one's speaking except yourself listening and talking and working it through with God. And so those three places are powerful. When you have a, a video, a, a word, a presentation or something that everybody listens to, when we have discussions and people are filling in things, and then when you have the devotion and you're working it out. Discipleship is effective when we can get those things working well. Make sure people come to this. Make sure people gather in the times where they can speak and enjoy food and time together, and then make sure they go work it out with Jesus themselves. And that's going to help people become disciples. So the road, the house, <laughs> under the fig tree, the wedding, in, in all the places where God wants to work, discipleship is incredible. Discipleship takes our temporary wine joy in this world and places it in the hour that's not yet come. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. But there is an hour coming, and what Jesus does is everybody's trying to deal with problems in their lives by medicating the problems. There's no more wine. <laughs> we have a problem, and, and the solution to our problem is a creative substance to make our problem go away. But discipleship teaches us that there's an hour that's coming when every problem is gone, and you can already drink from that day when you're being made as a disciple. When the Spirit of God and the wonderful things that He's going to do then, you can already drink from that, and it sets you free from all the troubles of this world. You don't need this wine. You need that wine. The eternity that He's restoring all things, we can already have some of that. And it's better than religion, and it's better than all the rituals of trying to keep yourself pure and clean. That place has already said, you're it. You're done. You're finished. You're righteous. You're clean in my sight. That wedding there... We draw from that, and it empowers us here. So that's, uh, discipleship so good, because everybody knows that everybody that we talk to has got some kind of issue, but we want to disciple them towards 
The hour that is not yet, the hour that will be, the hour that's coming. (laughs) Discipleship involves listening to whatever he tells you, just like Mary said. Uh, Discipleship doesn't include making too much of Mary. Just want to throw that in there. Uh, Discipleship turns religious Jewish purification into superior fine wine celebration. We're not discipling people to make them clean. We're discipling people to give them joy. The greatest joy in the world is Jesus and his presence. And when you see disciples who have joy are are contagious. (laughs) There's an effectiveness that takes place. When people are happy to serve Jesus, there's something wonderful about that. Discipleship is the place of secret and intimate miracles. He only showed that miracle to his disciples. Nobody else knew. They saw the effects of the miracle. Everybody else tasted the the results of the miracle. But the miracle was private. And sometimes we want to see all these miracles on the outside, but sometimes it's those little inner miracles that God does that actually are going to affect people's lives in a wonderful way. And so discipleship is, is that wonderful place where God's doing secret and intimate things that's changing our lives for the benefit of others. Discipleship is where Jesus reveals His glory, And discipleship produces faith. Who wants to disciple? Disciples. Who wants to be a disciple? I want us to pray, if we can. And um, let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and take us from two chapters, these wonderful experiences and expressions of what Jesus does, and let that be a seed of the kingdom inside of us. And it will produce something incredible from us. Can we do that? Let's stand together. So I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to pray for you. And, and, and we, I want you to pray for yourself. But then I'm going to ask you to pray for others. Because it, it needs to go beyond just me and Jesus. Because if we're going to get a grip on discipleship, we've got to get a grip on other people. And so, Lord, right now, by the power of your Spirit, I thank you that you are revealing a whole new world to every single one of us. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are making all things new. And that you are renewing our minds and that you are renewing our thinking and that you change the status quo And you you get us out of the bewilderment with all the nonsense in this world, and you get us into the place where we are saying, how amazing are you? How glorious are you, God? You turn our ordinary, everyday water life into a wine life, the life of a joy and celebration. And we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful identity of being called your disciple. Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? Jesus said, I go, but when I go, I'll send the teacher. And he will teach you all things. And he will remind you of all that I've done. And he will reveal me to you. And effectively, the Holy Spirit disciples us. And then the Holy Spirit enables us to make disciples. So right now, Holy Spirit, I want to ask you for a fresh revelation and a fresh desire not just to be a disciple, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in every one of our hearts here, 
we would begin to make disciples. If that's what you have shown us, Jesus, and if we love you, and if we worship you, and if we're becoming like you, this is not for full-time staff. This is for all authority to all disciples to reach all nations with all of the Trinity, to teach them all that you've commanded, and to know all of your presence until all of time is complete for all of us. So, oh God, we want all you've got for us to do all you've asked of us. And so, God, would you fill us with your presence and your spirit again to make disciples. What's the purpose? What's the reason? What's the motive? Love. What's the action? Disciples. So, Lord Jesus, would you do that among us now? So, won't you just lay hands on just someone next to you, anyone around you? Effectively, husband, your first disciple is your wife. Wife, your first disciple is your husband. Parents, your first disciples are your children. Just begin to pray for them. Pray for their discipleship and pray for them making disciples. Is that cool? Go for it, guys. Thank you, Jesus. so many, Jesus. Wonderful God. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Manifest this in a powerful way, Lord. Great, Jesus. Wonderful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's wonderful, guys. It's wonderful. May God use you to make so many disciples. May may we see an incredible fruitfulness. I want to take the next uh, just 10 to 12 minutes to look at the names of the disciples. And it's very interesting what their names mean because it will help us uh, determine what we want to see in the disciples that we make. And um, I think God chooses people and names very specifically and very, in a, in a very um, intentional way. And just by studying these names, I was quite astounded by how much truth there is in these for the sake of um, making disciples. I mean, Jesus prayed about the names, who they should be, and got the names from the Father. And so I thought, well, let me look at the names, and it's actually been quite astounding. And let me just backtrack quickly on this issue. When it says, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's not just, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. That, that is not what that means. 
To baptize somebody does mean to take them to the waters of baptism. But to baptize somebody in the name of the Father is to take someone and to bury them into all the name, the character, the reputation, and the nature, and everything that the Father represents, and pour them into that. That's n- you don't baptize someone in the name of the Father in splish splash. You baptize someone in the name of the Father through a lifetime of learning the Father and pouring the Father out into someone's life. And in the name of the Son and the character and the identity and the reputation and everything that He represents and all of that to baptize someone into all of who Jesus is, is not splish splash. Is teach me more of your names, who you are, your reputation, your identity, everything about your character. If someone says Brad Lane, you immediately associate me with something in your mind of, of what I'm linked to in your mind. But if I say to you, Jesus, there's a whole lot associated to that name that you want to baptize somebody into. And in the name and the character and the identity and the reputation and, and the nature of the Holy Spirit, to baptize somebody into that is to pour all of that over someone's life. That can't be done in a minute. That takes time to have somebody learn the Father from someone who's learned the Father. <laughs> wow. And so these names, I mean, let's, let's see if I can get through it in nine minutes. There's 12 names. Oh, Lord, help us. Simon, a rock or a stone. What is the rock other than Jesus and the revelation of Jesus? So the first thing we want to make sure our disciples have is a revelation of Jesus. Give them the rock. Andrew means manly. I like that one. In this world, the identity insecurity is so big. But to be made a disciple is to be restored back to your identity and to have security. And this world needs Andrews. And God made us in His image. He made male and He made female. And when you become a disciple, you become exactly who God meant you to be. And that's what this world needs today. We need the Andrews. So womanly as well. Then then it's uh, Andrea. (laughs) James. James means supplanter. Or someone who's changed, that's this, the, the name, same name that comes from Jacob. And remember in Isaiah 44, it says, Jacob I've formed, but Israel I've chosen. And there's something of a new life and a change of life that must come if someone's going to be a disciple. They were created in one way, but they're redeemed in another way. And their life has to go through a transformation. Just like Jacob went through a transformation into Israel when he wrestled with God, disciples who wrestled with God become changed and transformed and you want to see new life and new things take place in uh, James. Uh, James is also the son of Zebedee by the way which means gift and uh, you're a son of a gift you realize that it's a gift to be a disciple and a true disciple is a gift to others. Number four is John. John is Jehovah is a gracious giver and so being aware of who your source is is one of the most wonderful aspects of being a a disciple. When you know that God is your provider, and that God gives you what you need, 
A disciple learns that. A, a disciple is immature when he's still trying to find everybody else giving them what he needs. And we do need to give milk to babies. But at some point, they need to learn how to use a knife and fork and eat solid food. And they realize that God is their provider. Uh, Philip is a lover of horses. Um, which means that a lover of horses is one who studies taking the wild and taming it. And taking someone who's free to do whatever they like all over the place in the wild to a place where they are disciplined with bit and bridle and are able to move to the sensitivities of the Holy Spirit wherever He would lead them. Uh, Bartholomew, which could also be Nathaniel, but I didn't look up Nathaniel, but Bartholomew means son of the furrowed. <laughs> and the furrow is, is like the place where there's the plowing. And when you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back because you're not fit for the kingdom. But the sons of the furrowed are those who press on, and we want to encourage disciples to keep going and to not go back to the life that they had before. Thomas is the twin, and this is also wonderful. It, it, there is a tw- Ken is a twin, and he's got many twins in his family. And so twins, when I've chatted to twins, they say it's so nice for them to know that there's someone who knows what they're going through, someone who's been in the same birthing place, someone who understands them and their life. They're kind of like they're together as twins. This is a wonderful thing for disciples is to realize one is not more important than another. Every one of us were born at the same place by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit when we couldn't do it ourselves. And so there's this wonderful humility in working together as disciples, that we want to encourage us. We need to twin with each other. And Jesus never sent the disciples out on their own. He sent them two by two. And we need that that community, that togetherness, that shoulder to shoulder to help us continue. Matthew means gift of Jehovah. And uh, Matthew was one who was a taker in the tax booth, who became a giver and writes one of the most wonderful gospels for us. And so disciples, you want to see them begin to be generous. And let generosity mark them. Generosity marks disciples at every level. James, son of Alphaeus. James, this one means changing. So we should never be the same. We are being renewed day by day. Outwardly, we're fading, but inwardly, we are being renewed. And you're never not changing. Don't ever be stagnant as a disciple. Disciples are always on the move, always growing, always being transformed more and more into the image of glory, which is Jesus and his actions and his life. Thaddeus means large-hearted and courageous. As a disciple, we should be able to make more room in our hearts for people and be courageous to do so. Uh, Simon the Zealot is uh, a man of zeal, and uh, you certainly don't want to have papruk disciples who are like wet cloths on everything. Disciples need to be those who bring zeal, bring some kind of passion, bring an excitement about Jesus Christ into the room. And the last one is Judas Iscariot, which is interesting. Judas Iscariot means he shall be praised and men of the city. Judas, he shall be praised, Iscariot, a man of the city. Isn't this interesting? Jesus tried to gain the praise of man by pushing a salvation agenda and getting into trouble by doing it. I think he was trying to get Jesus by betraying him, but he was trying to get Jesus to take his political reign. And that thing didn't work for him. And so in the end, he wasn't praised by people. And being a man of the city, he actually needed to become a man who was heavenly minded. If Judas had been a redeemed Judas, he would have been one who was praised for seeing Jesus for who he really was and would have lived not just for an earthly city, but for the city that has 
the kingdom at every level. Let's make disciples. We'll chat about something else in the next session. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.